0: Hey there! Welcome to another episode of the Simple Home Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. In case we haven't met before, my name is Jenna and my husband and I have three children and I love to use this podcast just to help share some tips and tricks that we've learned along the way to help you simplify your home, your life, and your schedules. So I'm glad you have chosen to join me today and I'm really excited to get started with this topic because I know what a pain it can be. So today we're going to be talking about active spaces in your house, um, drop zones, areas where you're in and out a lot and things come in and out a lot. So we'll be covering those things. I'm also going to do a little piece on paper clutter because I know often paper clutter is taking over all of these active spaces in our home. So we'll get into that as well. Now before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my free decluttering challenge. I've had so many people sign up recently to get the new year started off right, so I would love to have you join as well. It's completely free to join and you'll get some encouraging emails with little challenges each day to help you just get a jump start on decluttering. So if you wanna join us in that, you can find it either at the show notes for this episode or you can go directly to homewithkids.com forward slash decluttering challenge to get all signed up. So I'd love to have you join us there. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Today, we're going to be talking about a few different areas in your home. And I think these might just be the hardest areas in our houses to keep clean and organized. I know at least they are for me. We're going to be talking about active spaces, drop zones, and paper clutter. And here's what I mean by each of them. So when I say active spaces, what I mean are spaces that you're using on a regular basis Daily, even several times a day, maybe, where things are coming in and out of your home often. Think about it like your kitchen. You're in your kitchen. Multiple times a day, you're bringing groceries into your house maybe weekly or monthly or several times a week, however, you decide to do it. But things are going in and out often, and this can make it really hard to keep this space organized and clutter free. Our closets are another one, the entryway into your house, all of these areas that we're using multiple times a day or at least daily, these are what I like to call active spaces. So, we'll talk a little bit about those and how to keep them under control. We're also going to talk about drop zones. Now there's lots of other terms that you could use for this area, but these are the areas where stuff starts to just collect. So your kitchen counter might be an area where you put your mail when you come in, your keys land there. Um, Anything else might just kind of start piling up. These are your drop zones. So kind of look around your house or just think about the areas where this might be. I know one area that I often have to clean up is my bedside table. I'll kind of just drop stuff there or my desk. I often drop papers and different things there and I get a big collection. So think about where those areas are in your house and we'll talk about how we can clear those areas and make them more manageable for you as well. And then paper clutter. Of course, I'm sure you know what I mean by paper clutter. We get paper in and out of our houses so often. Now, I did a whole episode just about paper clutter. I covered mostly talking about kids' paper clutter because a lot of our paper clutter is from our children, especially if you have school-aged kids. You know you get stuff all the time from school, little projects that they've done, all kinds of different things end up in our homes from our children. And so I did a whole episode all about that, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. So you can find all the show notes if you just go to at homewithkids.com forward slash episode 36, and you'll find the show notes there so you can find any links that I might talk about in this episode. So we're going to talk about paper clutter in this as well. I'm going to leave that until the end. So don't go anywhere. Hopefully I won't ramble on for too long so we can get to all three things. Now, I don't really know which one of these areas is the most important or the hardest one for you. I really feel like all three of these can be so challenging. So I'm just going to start at the top with active spaces. So areas where you're using things or you're getting them in and out regularly are what would be your active spaces in your home. So I want you to kind of think about where those are in your house. Here's some ideas of areas as I was thinking through this for my home. It's probably your closets, your clothes closets, or maybe you have a coat or entryway closet, your bathrooms. There's probably a linen closet or cabinets or drawers that you're getting in and out of every single day. In your bathrooms, your kitchen, again, we talked about that a little bit. Your living room is probably an active space in your house. You might have a toy room or your kids' bedrooms or your bedroom. So all of these places where we use regularly, these are our active spaces. Now, it doesn't have to be a whole room either. It could just be a drawer or a little section of a room. So think through those places as well. Because of the constant in and out, these spaces are really hard to keep uncluttered and organized. So in order to make these spaces work, you have to be really intentional about how you are using them and set them up in a way that's going to work long term. So my biggest tip here is to try not to use these areas for storage. So keep your active spaces separate from your storage spaces. For example, let's think about our closets. Now, think about where you keep your clothes and you're getting in and out every day to get dressed. Are you also using this area to store maybe seasonal items? Maybe it is summertime and you're storing your snow pants and your big heavy jackets and things that you really won't wear again for six more months or Maybe you're storing some maternity clothes because you and your husband plan to try to have another baby. So you're keeping those things. So you have a tub of maternity clothes on the floor in your closet. Or maybe this is where you keep your extra linens like bed sheets or a heavy comforter for those cold nights or whatever it might be. So think about your closet. This is an active space. You're getting in there every single day to get dressed, maybe more than once. And you're also storing things in there, which causes a hardship between the two. So if you can put your storage stuff in a separate area from your active spaces, you're going to be way better off. Now I'm going to give you another example. A lot of times we use our kitchens as a closet. (laughs) And what I mean by this is if you look in some of your drawers or cabinets in your kitchen, I bet you have things that you only use maybe once a year. Maybe you keep Christmas dishes or you keep a big turkey pan for Thanksgiving, or maybe you have an extra set of dishes that you only pull out when your parents come to visit or whatever it might be. These things, if you really want them and love them and you want to have them for those purposes, they don't need to be in your active spaces If at all possible, find an area in your home that you can use for storage. Now I know a lot of us live really small, so it can be hard to have a lot of storage area if you don't have a basement or a garage or something like that. And what I encourage you to do if you don't have a lot of storage area is maybe choose one cabinet that is only for those items. And it's not a cabinet you're gonna try to get your pots and pans out of daily or choose a closet in your home or under the beds, or you may need to really weed through the items that you have and decide if they're worth keeping and worth storing. So the hardest thing to do when you go in your kitchen to cook your meals three times a day is to have to sift through items that you're not using very often. So don't use your kitchen like a closet. Make sure that the things that are in there are for active purposes, or designate a space just for storage. So think through some of the areas in your home that you use every single day and make sure that you're using them for active things rather than storage as well. Another tip I have is to put things where it makes the most sense. So in your active spaces, you're going in and out all the time and you're likely using things a lot. It might be pens and paper Put these by where you're going to use them all the time. If you constantly are pulling out a pen and a piece of paper to write a grocery list on your kitchen counter, make sure they're in a drawer right there by your kitchen counter. Um, another thing in your living room, if this is an area where you and your family play games and you pull them out a lot, try to have a little area, a basket or something where you can keep those games and they're easy to pull out. Think about where things in your house are going to make the most sense. And sometimes it's totally different than what other people would do in their house. And that's okay. Just put things where they make the most sense, especially in your active spaces. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to go get them from one area and you're going to end up leaving it on the counter because you don't want to go back to the other area to put your pens and papers away or whatever it might be. So put your items where they make the most sense. My third tip for your active spaces is to get rid of the things that don't need to be there. Either think about where else they might go in your home or get rid of them completely. So here's an example I heard from Danae Barahona of Simple Families. She talks about starting her marriage off having placemats. She said her husband had placemats growing up and She just thought that they would have placemats and then they had young children and she still had these placemats that she was having to store and to wash off every time the kids ate and then she still had to wash the table because kids obviously can't keep everything on a placemat and she did this without much thought. She just held on to these. She had to store them. She had to clean them. And what she realized is that they took up her time and her space in her kitchen, which is usually our most active space. And she needed to just part with them and decide maybe later down the road, they would have placemats again, but at this time in her life, it was not going to work. So I want you to really think about the things that you're using in your kitchen and decide one, do they actually belong in the kitchen? Or is there another place in my house where I could put these items? And two... Do I really need this or can I get rid of it completely? I know that when I first started simplifying our kitchen things, we had appliances that I thought we just needed to have. And my husband and I don't drink coffee, so we no longer even have a coffee pot. Um, If guests come over, you know, I would much rather just go buy them a coffee than have to store a coffee pot for months and months without it getting used. So there's lots of things that you feel like you have to own, but if it's not working for your life, then you can get rid of that or you can rehome it to another area in your home as well. So be really thoughtful of that. One thing that I brought into our kitchen just recently that makes no sense to most people is my son's basket of Play-Doh. <laughs> and so I had to rehome a few items in our kitchen so that he could have that in there. And the reason I did that is because Usually when I'm cooking dinner or the other two are doing their homework, he wants to play with Play-Doh and I was having to stop what I was doing, go find the Play-Doh, bring it into the kitchen. I was getting frustrated because I had dinner going and that's already a hectic time. And so I just found a home for it in the kitchen and I rehomed some items that really didn't need to be there. For instance, I had a drawer with a bunch of towels, dish towels and stuff And I actually do like having some extras, but I really only need to have about two in my kitchen at a time. And as I clean them, I can bring more in. So I just put those in our linen closet instead. And then we had an empty drawer that he could put his Play-Doh. So it's okay to be a little bit creative and really think about what's going to work for you but think through the things that don't need to be in that space. I know I'm talking about the kitchen mostly because that is one of our most active spaces, but this is the same for your entryway. Maybe you have items that you're storing right at your entryway that really don't need to be there. If it's summertime, you probably don't need your kids' snow boots. the entryway or the same goes if it's winter time you probably don't need you know your sunglasses and sun hats and sunscreen at the entryway so there's lots of things we can find new homes for if they don't really need to go there another tip is to really understand how you want to use the space and when you're thinking about that think about how you're currently using it and how you want to use it so a good example would be your living room Maybe your living room is set up very traditionally where you have a couch facing a TV, and that's a lot of times what we see in houses. You may have DVDs or CDs or other, you know, electronics in there, but maybe you would really prefer that space to be where your kids can sit quietly and read or where they're going to do their homework or where you're going to play games as a family. And you could make something else the focal point. Maybe you want to bring a table into that area and put the TV in the corner where you only are going to use it periodically. It's 100% up to you, but think about how you're using the space and how you want to use the space, and that's going to help you keep everything more organized and clutter-free. Now, it kind of goes without saying, but in order to truly be successful with these active spaces, you do have to deal with your clutter. So the only way we can really stay organized and have a space that feels good is to not have a bunch of extra stuff there. So here's an example. I know that most linen closets that I see have, you know, 10 to 15 sets of towels and extra bed sheets for beds and all kinds of different things. And if you really look at yours and decide how many towels does my family of four or five or whatever it might be actually need each day, then you're gonna be able to eliminate so many things from each of these areas. So you've gotta be really um, intentional and a little bit hard on yourself and ask yourself truly, what do we need? Now, if you're scared of doing this, if you're scared to get rid of those extra towels in case, you know, the reason I keep extra towels around is in case we get a stomach flu in our house and I'm using every towel that we have. Um, And at first I was kind of nervous to get rid of extras just in case that happened. But the truth is I'm doing so much laundry when that happens anyways that we don't need the extra towels. So, but if you're a little bit nervous about this, put them in a box and put them in storage, put them downstairs or in a closet. And then if you end up needing them over the next six months or so, then keep them. If you don't, donate them. So that's a great way to kind of experimental declutter is what I like to call it. um, And get rid of things and see if you're okay without them. If you're feeling the stress or feeling a little nervous that you'll actually need them. But be a little bit hard on yourself through the process. Another tip I have for you as far as working with your active spaces, and this goes with every area in your house, but especially your active spaces, try to leave a little bit of white space. These are the spaces that you spend the most time in, and the less stuff you have in those areas, the more at peace you're going to feel. So just because you have the space, does not mean you have to use it. Just because you have a giant kitchen with lots and lots of storage doesn't mean that everything has to be filled up. Just because you have shelves in your living room doesn't mean you've got to fill them with books or toys or other things. You can have white space and I promise you it's going to make everything feel way better. Now let's talk about the larger active spaces for just a second, like the living room and kitchen. I want you to think about the flow of this room and how you want that flow to go. So this is similar to understanding how you use the space, but in these areas, you really do want to have a flow. So look at your furniture and make sure it's easy for traffic to walk through that area the way that it naturally would. And you're not having to go around certain things or walk in a way that feels unnatural because it won't feel as calming if you do that. Think about in your kitchen when you're cooking. Is it easy to get to the things that you need when you're doing it? So is it easy to get to the pot holders right next to the oven or do you have to walk across the kitchen to do that? Is it easy to get your pans out of wherever they are and get them to the stovetop? Is it easy to get in and out of the refrigerator and start prepping your meals? Now some of this Is a design issue, and maybe you don't have the space that you wish you did, but a lot of it can be fixed by putting things in an area that helps the flow of the room. So let's do a little bit of a recap, real quick, before we move on to drop zones so that you can be actionable when you're done listening to this episode. First, I want you to write down all the active spaces in your house. Where do you spend the most time? Where do your kids spend the most time? Where do you as a family spend the most time? Write down what those spaces are and maybe just choose a top few that you really want to work on right now that will make your life so much easier. And then I want you to list three changes that you need to make in each of these spaces. So if you want, you can pause this right now and write these things down so you don't forget. Or you can always go to the show notes and the transcript of this episode if you want to see the full um, audio written out so that you can take notes from there. But either way, make sure that you do this so that it's actionable after you're done listening. Now, remember, we're trying to not store things in our active spaces. Look at the flow and the purpose of that room and think about the things that either can be rehomed to a different space in your house or can be gotten rid of completely. You have to deal with the clutter. If it's just a decision you're not willing to make and it's just hanging around, make the decision now. Just choose to make the decision. Do I want to keep this or not? If so, where's its home going to be? Everything that you have should have a place to go. If it doesn't, you need to make the decision of getting rid of something else to make space for it or maybe just saying goodbye to it. Okay, moving right along, let's talk about drop zones. So drop zones are very much like active spaces, but they're kind of like active spaces on steroids. Not only are you using these areas constantly, but it's also where everything just gets left and dropped. So these are areas like your entryway, your desk, your countertop. Um, Backpacks are usually a drop zone or where you keep your kids' backpacks wherever shoes end up, that's usually a drop zone. I'm just going to say it, but these areas really stink (laughs) and often they get out of hand and can drive us completely nuts. And you're not alone. We all have drop zones in our house. We just have to figure out what the best system is for these areas so they don't get out of hand so quickly. So here's my tips to make these areas more manageable. One is don't try to fight it. So If your family, if you want your family to stack their shoes on a shoe rack, like in a color-coordinated fashion, but they leave them on the floor next to the rack, unless you nag them over and over again, then instead of having that rack there, just put a basket there and let them throw their shoes in the basket. Let the rack go if it's not working. Now, of course, there's a million things that I could use as an example instead of that rack, but think about spaces in your house and how you want it to be But what's actually happening? Now, I'm not saying you can't train your kids or your family to do certain things, but if it's become such a hassle that you're nagging over and over, that it's frustrating, that it's not happening the way you want it to, you might have to rethink it just a little bit. And it might come down to just the habit of your kids or your family, or it might come down to the location of where you have something located. Or it might be that they just have too many pairs of shoes and you need to limit the amount of shoes that they have until they can put them how you want them. But you have to rethink those areas if they're not working and try not to fight what's actually happening. Another example is like if your kids plop their backpacks down in the room because that's where they do their homework every night, then make that the area that they keep their backpacks. Put a hook or a basket there instead of by the front door or maybe they have a new pattern. Maybe that's where they take their backpack, they do their homework, you check their homework, and they put it by their shoes for the morning. You have to kind of think about what's already happening and how you can make it work for you and for your family. Otherwise, these areas are just going to keep driving you crazy. Now, on top of that, you need to create an easy system. So if the system has too many steps Nobody's going to do it, including us. So for kids, this can be really hard, really, really hard for young kids, especially kids who have trouble following multi-step directions. So you've got to limit the number of steps in these areas for you and for your children. For example, if you come into the house and you tell yourself you're going to put your keys in one spot, and then you're going to take your wallet out of your purse and put it here, and then you're going to walk over here and hang up your purse you're not going to do it. Instead, you're going to put your purse down in the closest place and then spend 15 minutes looking for it the next time you need it. So break down the steps, figure out what's the easiest system where you can maybe just hang your purse up and keep your keys on your wallet right in your purse, but it goes on that hook every single time. So you're not having to look for it. If you walk in the front door and you always put your purse on the counter then put a little hook or a little basket and that's where your purse can go. You don't have to find a new home for it. You can create a system around what your habit already is. If you want to retrain yourself, then start a new habit in a new place, but be honest with yourself about where the easiest place would be for that. The last thing I'm going to say about drop zones is that drop zones usually happen because the stuff that you're dropping doesn't already have a home. So this can be mail, this can be pens and pencils, this can be your purse or the kids' backpacks or your shoes or coats. This might be homework that comes out or papers that you're supposed to read and send back to school. This could be groceries that come in that don't really have a home. All of these things we kind of just drop and don't know what to do with, so they have to have a home. I know one of the biggest areas I've struggled with Are things I don't want to do right now but I know need to be done like if a toy breaks and I told my child I would try to glue it back together or if I find a random screw or something on the ground and I'm worried about throwing it away because I don't know what it came from I might put that in a drop zone so this was a big struggle of mine and what I decided to do was just have a miscellaneous basket of things that needed to be done and I put my paper clutter in there as well. Bills that need to be paid, school papers I need to look at, things that need to go in my calendar, all of those things that I really can't get to right that second just go in the same place and I deal with them once a week. Sometimes I'm able to deal with them more often if I'm on a phone call and I'm on hold for an appointment or something, I might be able to go through and do a couple of those items while I'm waiting on hold. So there's times that I can get to those things throughout the week, but otherwise I just have a designated time that I will go through that basket and get those things done. But that keeps me from having stuff spread around my counter It's just in one basket that lives by my desk and that's where all of those things go. So I call this my Sunday basket. I talk about it a ton in other episodes. The very first episode of the Simple Home Podcast, I talk about it there and I'll link to a couple other areas in case you're interested in creating your own system around that as well. Okay, I think we are ready to move on to the paper clutter that builds up. Now, a lot of times paper clutter builds up in drop zones and active areas. And that's why I wanted to include a little bit about it in this episode as well. You likely get paper from everywhere all day long. It's probably on your counters and your purse and your car on your nightstand. And so we have to figure out how we can handle all of this paper. The first thing I want to say is that we keep more paper than we need. So I think a long time ago, you had to keep all kinds of papers because it was really hard to get those papers again in case you needed them for something. So you keep bills and medical records and anything else that comes into your house, receipts, all kinds of paper that ends up, we keep a lot of it. Now, one thing I love that Marie Kondo says is that our goal should be to keep no paper. Now, of course, that's not the case. You're going to keep some paper. You're going to have tax papers you don't want to get rid of. You're going to have a few important things that would be really hard to get back, but the majority of the paper that you keep, you can probably let go of. Now, if you own your own business or you've got tax papers or those kinds of things, make sure to, talk to an accountant before you decide to just get rid of everything. But when it comes to everyday paper, I encourage you to try to not even let it come in your house. So here's a couple things you can do. One is when you get the mail, sort it at the mailbox or the PO box or wherever it is. And right when you get inside your door, put the recycling stuff that can just go in the recycling or the trash can. Make a little pile to shred and just shred it right then and put the papers you need to handle in your Sunday basket or mail area or whatever it is, whatever system you have in place for that. But know where your paper is going to go before it comes in your house. Same with kids' stuff. As soon as my kids get in the car from school, I have them open up their folders, take out their papers only keep what they think I'm going to have to look at and you might have to do this with them a few times so they know what kinds of papers you're going to want to look at and then I have them make a little pile for me so when they get in the house they hand it right to me and I can do what I need to do with that paper right then. So the less that actually makes it past the doorway in your house the less paper you're going to keep. Another thing that will keep the paper out of your house is to not collect paper anywhere you don't need to. Don't pick up flyers or pamphlets. If you want to remember a phone number or a business or something like that, snap a quick picture with your phone or just put it in your contacts really quick. Don't grab papers that you don't need. A lot of times we go places and people hand us stuff. If you want to look at the information really quick, that's fine, but don't take it home with you. Don't let it come in your house or it's just going to sit on your counter. So try not to keep as much paper and you're not going to have to handle as much paper clutter. The second thing i'm going to mention real quick is the sunday basket like i said before so my sunday basket is just a basket where i collect all the paperwork or to do's that i have and i go through them once a week i'm going to link to an episode where you can learn way more about how to set that up but basically what i want you to do is just set up a system set up a place where the paper is going to go and set up a day and a time in your calendar that you're going to go through that paper If you don't do that part, you're going to have a place in your house that just keeps collecting paper clutter. It's not enough to have the location (laughs) if you don't follow through with the action of actually getting rid of the paper. So you're going to bring as little paper into your house as you can. And the paper that does come in your house, you're going to set up a system weekly or whatever it can be to go through that paper. Put it on your calendar time and day of the week. You are going to do that. And then you will have way less to do as far as paper goes. And number three is to create a system for the papers you actually do need to keep. So maybe it's school papers or tax papers. Set up a little filing system for those papers and don't overcomplicate it. I know that the more files I have or the more subcategories I have, the less likely I am to actually file things where they need to go. So I only have a few files in my filing cabinet. I have one for my business where I put things I might need to keep like receipts or tax papers or other things. I have one for taxes where anything that comes in the mail that's related to doing the taxes or donations we make or anything like that go in that file so that when tax time comes I just pull the file out and hopefully have everything I need there. I have an area that I keep my kids schoolwork that I think that they're gonna want to keep Now, I only keep a couple items a year. I don't go crazy. I only keep a couple things. And I talk about that way more in the kid paper clutter episode that I did. So I will make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But I keep a few things for them. I also keep a school papers folder for myself that I'll just keep throughout the year A lot of times the teachers will send home something at the beginning of the year with information that you might need and rather than asking them questions about field trips or different things, it's usually on that handout and I just kind of keep that throughout the year. If other things come home that I feel like I'm going to need passwords to something um, or something like that, I keep it in that file. Now, I know that this information would probably be easy to get from the teacher if I lose that paper or decide not to keep it. But I also know that teachers work really hard and are super busy. So the fewer questions I can ask them, probably the better. So I do keep those. And then at the end of the school year, I toss them. So I keep some things. Now, I don't keep flyers that are for like fundraisers or events happening at the school. If that's something we're going to participate in, I just put it on my calendar or I pin it to the refrigerator until it happens and then I toss it. So this file is really for the things that I might have to refer back to throughout the year and so I keep them there and it's usually maybe one or two things per class. It's not a lot of papers in there. I have a miscellaneous folder that I just called to keep just in case and I keep it for the year and if I don't end up needing it or using it, then I toss it at the end. This is something that I think maybe I'll need this for taxes, so I put it in there, or I might need this for reference. I might have to look back at this. A lot of times my kids' medical stuff will end up in there if I'm going to have a question for a doctor or we have a follow-up appointment or something like that, but otherwise I get rid of those things. So I only have a few files which makes it really easy to file those papers when i need to and i don't have to think too much about the subcategories now if you like to set up subcategories and that is not an issue for you then go ahead and do that that's totally fine we are all different organizers i consider myself more of a macro organizer i like big categories where you might be a micro organizer and be totally fine with that and you can set up as many as you need my advice is just keep it as simple as you can for whatever works best for you. And lastly, when we're talking about paper clutter and hand- how to handle all this paper clutter is to ask yourself a few questions about what you want to actually hold on The first one is, is this easy to replace? Could I get a copy of this if I needed it? Could I go somewhere to get it or call somebody to get it or print it offline? If it's super easy for you to get a duplicate of it just in case you need it, then you probably don't have to hold on to it. Another question to ask yourself is, am I really going to use this? Now, I say this one not pertaining to like bills and other paper you might keep, but things like magazines and pamphlets that you get. Are you really going to use them later or are you just kind of collecting them Thinking you might look at it or worse, feeling guilty because you have a magazine subscription and you haven't looked at it or you haven't read it. I know I used to get magazines and they caused me so much stress because I never had time to read them like I wanted to, but I felt guilty that I had them so they would just pile up and I couldn't get rid of them because I thought I better read these before I do But I couldn't read them because I felt so guilty every time I looked at them. And it's just an endless cycle. So if you're the same as me and magazines stress you out and you haven't read them, I give you permission to get rid of them. (laughs) Don't let them just hang around causing you stress. Borrow from the library when you do decide that you're ready to look through a certain magazine or ask to swap with friends or something like that so that it keeps it a little bit more low-key. But if you have piles of magazines Ask yourself if you're really going to use them or if you're just keeping them because you feel like you should use them. So, that is all as far as paper clutter goes. I know papers can get overwhelming and we have to really put a stop to it before it comes in the house. So, as much paper as you can get rid of before it comes in the house, do that. If you can do your mail in the car, if you can have your kids do their school folders in the car you're going to be better off because you'll have less stacked up. Set up your system. It can be a Sunday basket or it could be whatever the system is and set a time and date every single week where you're going to deal with that paper so that it gets put away. Make your files and your systems easy so that you will actually deal with it and put it away. And just remember, we keep way more paper than we need, just like we keep way more of everything than we need. So try to just lessen the amount of paper that you feel obligated to keep, and that will help keep your counters and your purse and your car and everywhere else a lot clearer. I really hope this episode was helpful today. I know these spaces can feel so daunting because we feel like we declutter and we get other areas in our home good, and then we turn around and our counter is full of stuff, or our entryway looks like a mess. Or our closets are all over the place, we can't seem to find what we need, even if we have fewer clothes. So all of these areas, active spaces, drop zones, and paper clutter are going to be helped by getting rid of excess stuff, just like everywhere in your house, but then also just setting up systems that really work for you. Look at how you want to use the space, how it's being used currently. Look at what's really going on in those drop zones and how you can accommodate that or set new habits. So you got to do a little bit of work here and set up those systems. But once you have those systems in place and you've gotten rid of your excess, you're not going to struggle in these areas near as much. And because we spend most of our time in these active areas, you're going to feel so much better in your home. So I can't wait to hear all about what you do, and I would love to see how your spaces are changing. If you are so brave to tag me on Instagram, I'm at Jenna Arvidsson on Instagram, or just DM me a couple pictures of how you're making your space feel better for you. I would love to cheer you on. So even if you don't want to send me a DM or you're not brave enough to post the picture and tag me, that's totally fine, but come over and join me there because I love to... Um, connect with people on Instagram. And I'll make sure to link Instagram into the show notes as well. And you can find everything we've talked about today, plus other episodes I think you may enjoy by going to at homewithkids.com forward slash episode 36. Don't forget to sign up for the decluttering challenge. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. You just listened to an episode of the simple home. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I feel truly honored to be a small part of your life. Please take a moment to give a rating and write a quick review on iTunes. That will help this podcast reach more people, and I appreciate the feedback. We meet here every week, so hit subscribe so you know when the newest episode goes live. And for more practical tips on simplifying motherhood, visit athomewithkids.com. I can't wait to talk to you next time.